Contemporary research on consciousness in neuroscience rests on unquestioned but highly questionable foundations. Human nature is no less mysterious now than it was a hundred years ago. If we are to understand our human nature, we need to make a fresh start. In this first chapter, I lay out the basic challenge. Consciousness is like money. Stop and notice that you can believe in consciousness, appreciate the fact that we feel and think and that the world shows up for us, without believing that there is a place or a moment in time when and where consciousness happens or comes to be inside of us. As a comparison, consider that there's nothing about this piece of paper in my hand, taken in isolation, that makes it one dollar. It would be ludicrous to search for the physical or molecular correlates of its monetary value. The monetary value, after all, is not intrinsic to the piece of paper itself, but depends on the existence of practices and conventions and institutions. The marks or francs or pesos or lira in your wallet didn't change physically when, from one day to the next, they ceased to be legal tender. The change was as real as it gets, but it wasn't physical change in the money. Maybe consciousness is like money. Here's a possibility. My consciousness now, with all its particular quality for me now, depends not only on what is happening in my brain, but also on my history and my current position in and interaction with the wider world. It is striking that the majority of scientists working on consciousness don't even notice there is an overlooked theoretical possibility here. They tend to think that consciousness, whatever its ultimate explanation, must be something that happens somewhere and sometime in the human brain, just as digestion must take place in the stomach. According to the now standard view, our consciousness lives, the fact that we think and feel and that the world shows up for us, is achieved in us by the action of our brain. The brain produces images of the environment and manipulates those images in a process known as thought. The brain calculates and infers and eventually produces neural commands so that we act. We really are our brains, and our bodies are at most robotic tools at our brain's disposal. The brain is sole author of what is in fact a grand illusion that we inhabit a richly detailed and meaningful world, that we are the sorts of beings we think we are. What are we, then? If the truth be told, we are brains in vats on life support. Our skulls are the vats and our bodies the life support systems that keep us going. Or so mainstream neuroscience and writers of science fiction would have it. Is my body a robot that my brain inhabits? Is the world a grand illusion? Is this really an intelligible conception of ourselves? Are you your brain? The fundamental assumption of much work on the neuroscience of consciousness is that consciousness is, well, a neuroscientific phenomenon. It happens inside us, in the brain. All scientific theories rest on assumptions. It is important that these assumptions be true. In this book, I will try to convince you that this starting assumption of consciousness research is badly mistaken. Consciousness does not happen in the brain. 
that's why we have been unable to come up with a good explanation of its neural basis. Francis Crick, the Nobel Prize-winning co-discoverer of the structure of the DNA molecule, has proposed, in a book titled The Astonishing Hypothesis, that you, your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your ambitions, your sense of personal identity and free will are in fact no more than the behavior of a vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. With a flourish, he adds, this hypothesis is so alien to the ideas of most people alive today that it can truly be called astonishing. What is striking about Crick's hypothesis is how astonishing it isn't. It isn't surprising to be told that there is a thing inside each of us that thinks and feels and wants and decides. 